Hey guys, how are we doing? Hi Tom. Uh, hello Tom. Hello. Hello Hugh. You all sound a bit croaky. Where are you? Croaky? Yeah. Surprisingly bright. It's very <laughs> muggy down here. It's quite warm, yeah. Should uh, should point out that um, we're all in different locations. Well, Hugh and Rachel are in Reading this morning, and I am in Glasgow, and I have a I'm in a proper studio, and it's lovely. I'm just living it up a little bit, north of the border. We'll have to get us one of those. I'll I'll do what I can. Um, just out of interest rates, just make sure that Hugh's speaking into the microphone because you know we know the trouble we have. I know. Hugh, <laughs> speak to the microphone. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, listeners. Shall we get on with it? Let's do it. You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast. Apparently, live in a society where people who go to festivals need to be told that putting their sleeping bags down the toilet is not a, not, not a very good idea. Did you ever watch that program uh, Hunted on Channel yes. 4? Yes, that's brilliant. Did you brilliant. see the yes. one where the guy came out of Reading Station yeah. and chased him all through Reading, yeah. all along the canal, and eventually caught him for funny Yes, man. that was brilliant. Hello. 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 I'm Hugh Fort. I'm Rachel Nemeth. And I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode 64 of the Real Reading Podcast. We've got an interview this week with John Crocker from Ding Hour, uh, which is a Twitter thing, uh, plus all the usual features, including Fact of the Week and Fort Explains It All, which this week is about, Hugh? The never-ending saga of the Arthur Hill swimming pool. I love a saga. Unless I'm old, in which case. It's a particularly good one. Not a saga <laughs> holiday yet. <laughs> Not yet. Um, <laughs> we also, uh, as well as uh, me being in a proper studio, we also have a producer this week. I'd just like to say hello to producer Andrew. Hello. How, you, how are you doing? I'm very good. It, we're looking across at each other dreamily. Dreamily. Um, dreamily indeed. Andrew, thank you for jumping on the Real Reading podcast to help us out. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's great to be here, but... Um, when I finished with the Reading podcast, my world does not end with these four walls. Reading's a big place. When I finished with Reading, there's Slough, Aldershot, Bracknell. I've got Didcot, Yateley, you know, Winnish, Taplow. Because I am my own boss. I can Burfield. He wrote that himself, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, moving swiftly on <laughs> with a hat tip to Ricky Gervais. Thank you very much, Ricky. Reading Zone, by the way. Um, you can check out our podcast website at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Uh, and if you would like to get in touch and berate Andrew for uh, that awful, awful joke. Well, Andrew, what is your Twitter account? It's at, it's at Andrew Stewart. So please do send me abuse. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and he loves dogs, too. Oh, yeah. Um, Yes, and in the meantime, here is Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Find us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Facebook and Instagram for Real Reading Podcast. You can also email getreading at reachplc.com. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, guys, it's happy swan upping. It is. I've been very excited. One of the reporters, roving reporter James, has just been down to investigate. I've I've seen. Um, I've got a little bit of audio, and apparently this might just work. Um, uh, there's a video that uh, James has recorded. I've just got a few moments. I think it's with a chap called David Barber. I was just going to play it very quickly. Just mm. bear with me. Okay. 
Oh, it would help if I turned the sound on. Hang on. <laughs> wow, absolute technophobes at the wheel here. Hold on a second. Here we go. Let's try again. David Barber, Small Market, Majesty Equipment. Right, sure. So, um, how are the swans faring at this junction? How many uh, swans do you see? Well, it's um, better than we thought it would be. Uh, the first day was quite quiet, which was Monday, but it picked up on Tuesday, which was a better day than last year. So we're about level to what we had last year. So it's better than we thought. And how many... I'll just cut that off there because otherwise uh, we, we could be there all day. It's quite a long video, but just a little bit of it. This guy, David Barber, has got a nice red jacket on and uh, some sort of naval hat. Is that fair, Hugh, would you say? Is that a naval hat? Have you seen the video? Um, no. No, okay. Also, no, as well sorry, as... Sorry, the... I can't neither confirmed or denied. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a nice sort of bright red jacket with some little little gold collars, um, what looks like a naval hat with a crown on it, and then a big swan feather through his hat, which, you know, I'm hoping that's from a, a swan that was willingly given up its feather. <laughs> but um, look out for that. I was that. very excited that there, I did confirm with James that there was five signets left um, from the pair that are up by uh, Cavisham Lock, because I've been a bit of a swan geek and doing swan watch <laughs> every time I walk over the bridge. They did start with six, but oh. to still have five that are sort of getting towards being fully grown is oh dear. pretty awesome. Oh dear. I feel yeah, we, we need we some sort of violin. Not to dwell on the poor little one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. It brought oh me dear. right down. Brought me right down. Yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah. luck, good luck to the swans. I mean, you know, we're all, we're all there for them. Um, I, uh, just in case you're wondering, I did some research this week, Rach. You did what? I've done some research into swan-upping. Wow, I thought it was only me that did that. No, no. And by research, I mean I read an article by The Independent from this time last year. Do you want to know some facts about swan-upping? Go on. Um, it's an wow, annual, it's an annual tradition facts. from Sunbury to Abingdon on the Thames. Boats go up the river counting the swans. That's what swan-upping is. It's not quite as amusing as it sounds. Um, it's been going on for hundreds of years. Um, the earliest reference to royal ownership, because as everyone knows, the Queen owns all the swans in the, in the world. Um, she doesn't really, just a few on the Thames, it turns out. But the earliest reference to royal ownership is 1186. And as I say, according to the independent newspaper, a few years before... Uh, a few years before Richard the Lionheart left for the Crusades. That's the earliest reference to uh, the royal ownership of all the swans. Um, and sadly, Hugh, you'll, you'll remember this was a scene that was sadly left on the cutting room floor of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> um, as I say, apparently the Queen doesn't own all the swans, um, but she has the right to. Just, oh, like, okay. just like, you know, we all have the right to own... No, we don't have the right to anything, really, do we, I suppose? Got but Queen though gets all the swans. Was it true that we have the largest concentration of swans in Caversham, Reading? I have no idea because I didn't read that far down the article. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I've heard that. There's a lot of them at Caversham yeah, Bridge. Yeah, I mean it's it's probably true. Let's let's just say it's true. Yeah, um, let's claim that one. Yeah. My um my favourite fact about that group of swans is that they're all um they're all institutionalised <laughs> in that they can only they only want ever want to live in a particular area by um Caversham and get nervous and uncomfortable if they ever move into <laughs> another stretch of the, uh, stretch of the river. Yeah, so they're, they're like um they're like that, that guy in the Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> like like being in prison so much, and, and then he's very uncomfortable when he has to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's a nice area to live if you can afford it. 
Well, true. <laughs> but they are posh birds, aren't they? So, um, guys, it's time for actual fact time. Um, oh, 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 okay, that's me. Reading fact of the week. Reading fact of the week. Time for our new fact of the week, Rach. It's it's your. This is your part time to shine. So so let's go. Right, I've got a Huntley and Palmer's related one. Oh, this biscuits week. making me hungry. Biscuit. He was looking across suspiciously in case you did it in months gone by. No. Nope. So the fact is that uh, Huntley and Palmer realised that the marketing potential of the new Great Western Railway and quickly reached an agreement with the railway to supply a packet of biscuits on each and every first-class seat in every train that left Paddington, um, which was probably a good thing because the trains didn't have any corridors, they didn't have um, the buffet car, uh, so it's probably a welcome snack. And the packs had a message to the travellers to look out um, of the window at, at Reading to look out for the Huntley and Palmer's factory, which, as we know, is quite a prominent part of Reading's history. Yes. I think a packet of biscuits on every train seat would be awesome travelling to Paddington. I would think so, yes. Tom, you spend a lot of time on trains. Yeah. I think you would like that a lot. <laughs> I'd be disappointed um, if I got like one of the ones with like raisins or something in. Like, I, I'd be very specific. <laughs> yeah, I need, like I, a Gary Baldy. Yes, I need, I need either ginger nuts or bourbons. That I, I'd be happy with that, or, or a cookie, or a cookie. They could write to every single person who's booked a ticket on that yes. train to see what they'd like. I'm sure, that'd be logistically, logistically simple. I think that um, GWR's PR problems would eradicate would be eradicated overnight if they did such a thing and i think i strongly urge them to think about it i'm sure when when you're stranded on that boiling hot train slightly outside london paddington not knowing what's happening if you've got a packet of biscuits to munch on i'm sure you'd be absolutely fine oh yeah yeah i mean i'm stuck i've been here for three hours but i've got some biscuits fine yeah i've eaten (laughs) half a biscuit every half an hour (laughs) I did start looking then at, because obviously biscuits is one of the three Bs for which Reading is famous, the other two being beer and bowls. Yes. Um, I didn't realise that Huntley and Palmer's office was set up a long time ago in the early 1800s, and then it folded in the 90s, I think. Oh, really? I didn't um, know it was that recently. But it reopened. There is a website where you can buy stuff made by Huntley and Palmer's. Yes. Which I didn't realise. Um, so I was sort of looking at some of the famous historic biscuits that Huntley and Palmer's had done. Um, so there was one called an Osborne biscuit, which they wanted to name it after Queen Victoria, but she said, no thanks. I don't <laughs> want to be sort of a promotional thing. But you can name it after my favourite house that I own on the Isle of Wight, Osborne House. Oh, OK. Um there was uh, some called gems, which were a bit of an accident. That, that I think they overbaked them and they came out really tiny. <laughs> and then they put a bit of icing on the top. Ice so gems. That's like the early ice gems. Oh. Yeah. Wow. The original party biscuit. Um, <laughs> and there's chocolate olivers that you can still get. My dad used to get, get them in the old days. Did it? Yeah, you, you, when you were a kid, you'd be like, one can sneak a biscuit. It looked like it had loads of chocolate. The Bartholomew biscuits, which were really hard, and but also 
covered in chocolate. Mm. It wasn't actually. I didn't really like them, but then I was a child. So I can't like leave this conversation, can I, without bringing up cheese logs? Oh, it's cheese good. logs, yes. Good old cheese logs. So it's a Reading thing, right? That uh, a, a woodlouse is a cheese log. So I always thought that they were called that. I don't know where I've got this from because they resemble a Huntley and Palmer's biscuit of the same name. But I did some Google it before we came on here to like find a picture. And it seems like I've made that up. I can't find any reference to it at all. Uh, so I guess if anybody listening knows anything that can either prove or disprove what I'm saying, that would be good. I'd love to know why I call it a cheese log. <laughs> I think that's a discussion for another time, isn't it? Because, yeah, I, I, I know about the cheese log thing. Mm. But I'm obviously not a proper Reading Reading it, because I never called them a cheese log. I was called Woodlouse. Oh, because you're proper, so... But I'm West Berkshire, aren't I? You know what a cheese log is, though. Yeah. It's a Woodlouse. It's yeah. a Woodlouse, yeah. yeah. I, I'm aware of this, yeah. Calling cheese logs. I think a character in the Whitley with fanzine for a Reading FC. I could be getting muddled up again. <laughs> calling cheese log. Calling cheese log, yeah. Um, <laughs> can we go back to this? Can we go back to Famous Biscuits very quickly? Because there's another oh, Palmer's fact. Um, the biscuits taken by the Scott of the Antarctic yes. on that famous Poland mission. Yeah, they were. So as they, as they were trudging through temperatures of about minus 40, feeling like, this is a pretty bad idea. What on earth are we doing? <laughs> they were stopping on Huntley and Palmer's biscuits at the time as well. Oh, well. Possibly would have cheered them up a bit. <laughs> to it there because uh, it is time for Hugh Fort and Forts explains it I've got that completely wrong it's time for Fort explains it all this is Fort explains it all hey Hugh <laughs> okay, do you not want to do bit? Do you not want to do this bit? I, I'm not sorry, I thought that was a cut. Uh, well, it sort of was, yeah. So, Fort explains it all. Uh, can our new producer tidy up that, that blunder? <laughs> no, we're leaving it in. No, it's staying in. It's staying in. No, no. Right, we're going to talk about Arthur Hill's room, Paul, again. Yep. Um, this, as we know, is a very old building in Reading, which is which is now, I think, 108 years old. Um, that has been closed since 2016. It was a sort of small, old-fashioned swimming pool um, that was very popular with um, swimmers in the East Reading area. But it's very, as it's 108 years old, it's very antiquated and 
<coughs> Reading Cat Reading Borough Council decided to close it because of the cost of uh, cost of maintaining it. There was all sorts of things that it needed doing. I think they were talking about seven hundred and fifty grand um, to keep it open, and then numerous other additional um, costs to to maintain it because it's essentially because it's so old. So it's closed in 2016, and the council then subsequently decided it, it would be sold for housing. Um, and it had been involved with a, in discussion with a developer called OOAK Developments, which is based in Reading. Um, unfortunately, that discussion has now been, quote, discontinued. And so the future of the building is slightly up in the air again. Um, there has been a very strong campaign, a passionate campaign from the group of former swimmers there to keep it, to have it reopened as a swimming pool, which the council has uh, fairly bluntly said, no, no, now we're not running it. We need to make the most of the um, the building and to do that is to turn it into houses. Um, however, it now has to go back for sale again um, because this has fallen through. Um, and that's where we are, really. The, the petition has now been started, um, which you can find in the story we've got on Get Reading, um, to, to, for the council to uh, retain it for leisure use at the swimming pool. And, uh, but the, the council has essentially said that it will continue to use it, to look to use it as, as a uh, residential Development. So, is it a protected building? Would they have to convert it to apartments, or would they knock it down and start? No, you, no, it wouldn't be knocked down. The, the, um, I'm not quite sure of the status of the building, whether it's listed or not. But certainly, the council has said in the past that any development would have to. Essentially, what they're doing with Jacksons um, is the agreement. You would, you know, you're not going to be able to develop it unless you keep frontage of it. So, right. keep okay. the keep the look of it, um, but. The council would have very much hoped to have this wrapped up and to have planning applications and um, to to keep the uh, to, to move the building on because no nobody, no council authority wants empty buildings. No. Um, so is is there a however, chance that that someone could come along and reopen it as a swimming pool? Well, there there is a small chance. It would have to take a change of. Uh, a change of what's the word yes. attitude I guess, right. towards the council um, because it would have to be run privately as a swimming pool uh, because the council has stated repeatedly it's too, we 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 do not have the money to run it um, it's too expensive and the problem is the problem is they they've had for many years when it was open was that it, it constantly needed um, lots of money spending on it to to maintain it and. They said in 2016, we can't keep doing this. We haven't got the money. Um, and so it's shut, which causes this campaign. So the, the campaigners did try to, to put a proposal forward um, to run it themselves as a pool, which was rejected by the council due to it. Um, one, it the council wanted thinking get get more money to sell it to development, but two, the plan was seemed, seemed to be sort of full of holes into... into um, in the, how, how it would be run. Um, and since then, they've been working with this developer on turning it into, into apartments. Not many apartments, I can't remember the exact number, but it's, it's not a massive building, so it wouldn't be a huge amount. But um, 
that's fallen through now. So the future of it is, once again, uncertain. This has been dragging on for years now. The campaigners are very critical of the council, both in the particular management of this swimming pool and also the fact that it closed the, uh, Arthur Hill and Reading Central swimming pools without having any, any alternatives ready. Um, we're now in the very early stages of preparing um, Rivermead and uh, Palmer Park uh, to eventually house two new pools, which I'm sure will be um, far greater than what is what we've got already in terms of swimming, but they're not there and they're not ready. Um, and so and so people are a little bit just annoyed by the situation. They say it's just been really badly planned. Um, so swimming-wise, the situation has remained the same for quite a while in that you're losing pools and not gaining any. Um, uh, but with Woking Bullmerch Pool just across the uh, the border in East Reading, not far at all from, from Arthur Hill, it's speeding along. Um, so there will be somewhere to go, but it won't be technically won't be in Reading, it'll be in Woking. But um, yeah, I think everyone wants to see some sort of fairly swift movement on the new swimming pools, at least to say what, what you know, um, where, you know, who's going to run them, when, when they're going to open and what's going to be there. Um, and that is where we're, we're at with this, really. It's, uh, it, I, think, I don't think anyone, I don't think the council's only happy, certainly not happy with the plan to pull through. Um, but also the, the, the campaigners want, want to, certainly want to see some sort of movement on new pools. Thanks, Hugh. Um, that's, that was great. Uh, it, it's obviously, as you say, a saga. So um, I guess it's, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens from the future. I'm sure we will talk about this many, many times again. Yeah, we're looking at a very long process of building new swimming pools. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you, Hugh. Uh, that is the end of part one. Uh, in part two, we will begin with our interview with John Crocker from Ding Hour. Hello, I am with John Crocker. Uh, John has come in to see us to talk to us about something called Ding Hour on Twitter. John, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Yes, thank you for having it's me. It's third time we've attempted this. Uh, a couple of, t- <laughs> yeah. couple of technical issues to start with. Um, so tell me about Ding. Is it hashtag Ding Hour? Is it's, that what it is? Yes, it is. It's hashtag Ding Hour and it's a chat hour on Twitter every Monday at 8 o'clock specifically for the independent businesses in the town. Okay, so uh, obviously on, on Twitter you can talk about Reading whenever you like, really, yeah. can't you? But this, yeah. this is this is very, very specifically for independent business. So what, what sort of things do you see people chatting about? What, what happens? Well, it's quite a variety of things. I mean, sometimes it goes with the flow. I mean, last week we were talking about uh, growth, how people want to develop, yeah. um, both in terms of um, intellectual skills, um, practical skills, and also in the in sort of you know, emotional intelligence, right. and this was related to their business and quite often how they are with their employees and with training and how they can develop their own business and grow it. And it, people come at it from different angles, and it makes it very interesting because then you get the diversity of opinions. Uh, how many people roughly take part in Ding Hour? It varies. I'd say it goes from sort of around a dozen up to about sort of forty. But when it gets to forty, it's extremely <laughs> hectic. I prefer it when it's slightly quieter. Yeah. Yeah. So are, are you are you sort of the 
the the speaker, the the, no. the host, the compare. Uh, I think what do they call it? The facilitator. Okay, yeah, yes. I suppose that would be the term. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I'm the one who sets the agenda for each week. Yeah, I have a sort of you know, a, a, a basic timeline of how I wanted to pan out with a number of questions throughout that keeps the, the, the conversation flowing. Yeah. Um, but obviously I let it go off at a tangent if it if it suits the, the conversation. So where where did this idea come from? What, what, yeah. How did this happen? Well, I'd seen other chat hours on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I also do, uh, do one in West Berkshire, uh, which is hashtag WBarksHour. Uh, that's on Wednesdays. We can allow that. That's okay. Yeah, is that all right? Just yeah, we're about, just yeah. outside. Yeah. I'll have to, I might have to cut it out later for, for length, for brevity. Okay. You understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, there's, there's other chat hours for independents around yeah. the country. I wanted to see one specifically for Reading because I think it's a great, potentially a fantastic community here. But there is an element of each person is dealing with their lives as individuals. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no sort of... Um, yeah, you, you don't have like a, a franchisee or a branch thing yeah. to fall, or an area manager to fall back on, do you? Exactly. You, you, you are on your own. To share your problems, your yeah. concerns, or get advice, or just get someone else's opinion sometimes. So this is, it's a nice opportunity. So what, what's your background then? What, what do well, you, my background has nothing to do with this, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, my background As these things is, often yeah, are. is education. I was in international education for 25 years. I was headmaster for 13 years. Um, but I, I take a keen interest in the high street, high street in general. Yeah. You know, they talk about death of the high street. Uh, it's not dying, but it is changing. Yes. Um, and I, maybe it is dying for the big names. I think you know, they've got huge premises, huge stock. They haven't really moved for the times. And I think if the high street is going to stay alive, it's through the independent shops. So thinking of something topical, bear in yeah. mind sort of that we're, we're a week on now. Yeah. Um, but... Topic, topically was it? Smelly Alley yes, is, yes, is a big thing manga, yes, um, yeah. probably the very although there is, there is a, there's a game shop and there's a couple of other things if you walk down there you just think well this is Mobile Repair Alley for uh, yeah, want of exactly. a better name for it exactly this is this is a sad state of affairs but of course he's closed yeah. I will assume because he hasn't got enough customers yeah um, okay it might be business rates etc but by and large it'd be not enough customers and I think this is the problem it needs um, awareness raising Yes. Um, because people have, the, I mean, they want to be proud of their town and where they live. They want to feel they're living somewhere successful. But at the same time, they'll say, it's easier to go online. Yes, it, it is. This has become the default position. Um, so I think it, it's got, we've got to find a balance there because online's not going away. No. <laughs> um, so you've got to, I think the local businesses, and many do this very well and others don't, is to start using online as an asset rather than as an enemy because yeah. there's no point fighting it because you will lose yeah so find a way to use it and you know twitter's a good part of this it's, it's a it's a it's a part of the jigsaw puzzle it is a good place to start i remember we went to uh crunch comics we spoke yes, to yeah in harris uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah spoke to uh, uh, now this is going to be terrible i think it's brian okay pretty sure it's yeah. brian but we spoke to brian in there and brian said um that he didn't really like using social media yeah but his wife often felt it was something that he should do okay. because obviously he's gone and opened his like fantasy dream yes. com comic yeah. book store and he needs in order for that to keep going as you as you rightly say he sort of needs to facilitate and i've seen quite a lot of tweets and stuff coming out of crunch yeah, comics see, yeah, now which is which is quite nice yeah, yeah yeah so it, it it's i guess as you say, it's not going away as much as some people would like to pack it in a little yeah. bit. Me as well, sometimes. Yeah, It'd be absolutely. Nice to, I think we're all the same. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, perhaps on Sundays. Maybe Sundays. Yeah, yeah. Like, go, go back to the shops closed. Social media's down. There's nothing. There's no football. There's no anything. And exactly. Sundays, we just all sit there and go, 
Ah, you can means. browse through, yeah. can't you, and see. But, but it's a necessary evil, I'm afraid, I think, yeah. for a business day. And for an independent business in particular, because yeah. they don't have the big marketing drive behind no. them to you know, promote them on TV, etc. They've got to do it themselves. Um, and they've got to raise that awareness that they exist, because people will use them if they know they're there. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's easy to assume that everyone knows you're there. Well, they don't, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and, and you sort of think... Uh, you know, smelly alley yeah. for, for that sort of area. I, I would imagine there's people go, oh, it stinks down there. I wouldn't go down there. But and that's a reputation that has been hard earned, and actually, yes. that's something that that all of us are very proud of. Well, it's because tradition, it, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, yeah, it is exactly. And these things are important. But at the same time, does that does that kind of brand, I suppose, make people go down there? I don't know. I mean, arguably at the moment, people aren't going down there because well, it's yeah, not I mean, because it, all of our favourite things have gone. It would suggest people aren't going down there. Yeah, you know, the very fact he's closed. Yeah, uh, and you know, nothing stays the same forever. I mean, there has yeah. to be evolution, and and you know, yes. the same businesses won't always be there. But I think there's a danger that it's a struggle for new business to come in. So a shop closes, or you know, the fishmonger closes. Now, what will go in there instead? Yeah. Your business rates are probably quite high. You don't really need another barber's nail bar or phone repair <laughs> shop, but they're the most likely ones that are going yeah. there at the moment. I mean, that's the current trend, but that's not going to drive people into town or encourage them to come and shop. No, it's it's certainly not. And and there's almost uh, there's there's an opportunity, isn't there, in in some of these places to do something a little bit special. Harris Arcade is a prime example. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I, mean, I love that place. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. going over there in a minute to uh, chat to some people there. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. So I guess in in terms of of, of Ding Hour, let's let's, let's yeah. just get back to that. Yeah. What, what's the what are, what are the big successes you would say from it? Where where, where, do, where do you feel it's yeah big successes? I think first of all people joining yeah um, to begin with, then people opening up and perhaps being quite honest about how they're feeling about a particular yeah. subject or concern they have. I mean, not everyone is necessarily uh, running their business. Some people are just interested in the yeah. Indies. That okay. happens as well. But I think people are quite honest and, and will say, look, I yeah, really don't get how to do this. And other people will have an opinion or have that experience before. They can say, well, look, mm. why didn't you try this? And I think that's where it's good. You've suddenly got a sort of, I don't want to be too cliche, but like, almost like a support network yeah. where you know you can ask something. You know you won't be derided for asking. People go, ah, yeah, I had yeah, that. Yeah. And I think that's where it's really useful. And it, there is a sense of community there. Right? I mean, it's quite young. You know, it's only because it's more March, April. Yeah. Um, but there's already a sense of there's a community. I mean, someone was calling us dingoes. I think it was Fidget and Bob was saying it's the dingoes, which was quite nice just to suddenly have this terminology for people to join yes. in. Yeah. And so there's a sense of yeah, community there. And that's what it needs, this sense of community. Yes, everyone's individual, yeah. but there's strength in unity. It, it was quite interesting, uh, uh, sort of uh, in, in terms of, of how this thing has sort of been set up. Did you, did you approach people to come and join it? Because I can imagine people... Ah, oh, flipping it. Another thing, right? Yeah, I, no, I can imagine not particularly. that. No, I, I, I just started your know, dingo. I set up my profile. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, was obviously already following people in in Reading that you know, that I knew, and just started putting out a message. You know, dingo Tuesday. It was Tuesdays at the time. Yeah. Dingo Tuesday at eight o'clock. And a few people said, "Oh, that sounds interesting." I mean, you know, Claire from Explore Reading. Yes. Sam, yeah. Independent Reading, etc. And there was Pete Greensmith, who's now moved over to, to I Wales. S- I yeah. saw, yes, yeah. yes. They said, oh, this this is interesting, you know. So they, the, the first week, you know, logged yeah. on, we sort of, yeah, <laughs> sat there in almost silence. But then a few other people said, oh, yeah, what's this? And as you know, it builds, yeah. it builds, which is the beauty of Twitter, I think. Yeah. It is, I mean, it, it is. And, and Reading does have, I, th- I think, I think you don't have to look hard to find an independent scene on Reading. No, in, in Reading, sorry. Yeah, I agree. But I don't think it's front and centre. 
I, I think when yeah. you come to Reading, you see your Broad Street, you yes. see Oracle, you see yeah. the Oracle first and foremost. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't think a lot of the time people necessarily realise. But we we spent a bit of time in Winchester um, okay. about yeah. a year ago. Yeah. Myself and a colleague went over and had a look yeah. around, and that place is just independent central. It is, it? yeah. It's yes. the whole, the whole, the main high street, the yeah. side street, everything. Yeah. And you thought, wow, actually, this this is. Does it give it a great feel? It, oh, it really does. You know, they had, there was a market yeah. in the in the centre of in the centre of the city, and you know, obviously they've got that. They've, it's a very different style of city. Yes, to, smaller to, and it's set up in a different. Yeah, way, and, yeah. And, and and you know, and, and there's some sort of some classic architecture there, whereas Reading's a bit more um, brick yeah, built, functional. Yeah. functional yeah. Yes, yeah. so yeah. it probably wouldn't yeah. necessarily ever have quite the same feel, but it did just make you feel, wow, this is. Well, Reading for me reminds me, and this is meant as a compliment, uh, it, Bristol. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was in Bristol for many years. Uh, I love the place. I, I, I'm the similar. I've spent a lot of time in Bristol right, over the last okay. couple of years. It's yeah. a fantastic yeah, it's place. Great. And I think Reading has the potential to be that way. Uh, I think yeah. that there is the indie scene here. Um, there is quite a pride in not necessarily being pretty. I mean, Bristol's like Bath. Your Bath is picture postcard perfect. Yes. Bristol's a bit dirty. Yes. But Bristol's got character. Oh, it certainly does, and yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I feel like you can do, I do feel like you're right, you can do the same here. Yeah. You, it does. And it's got the scale as well. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a big place. It's a big town. I, yes. I, f- I feel maybe we don't quite have the sort of the cultural scene, but if, if that can all be dealt with up at the Abbey and that kind of thing, yes, then, then maybe we will. Yeah. Maybe we will. Yeah. I, I think it's a great place. <laughs> There's so much diversity here. Yeah, not just in the population, yeah. but in the shops and businesses. It's a really interesting town. So, do we foresee Ding Hour carrying on for, yes, for quite yes, some we do. time? Yes, we do. Yeah, I think there, there's plenty to chat about. I yeah. think there's plenty of support for it and interest. I think it's it's developing its own identity. Um, it's got a few sort of key players that are always there to you know, keep the conversation yeah. bubbling on, which you need. <laughs> um, yeah, and in terms of, yeah, a lot of people, I think, just lurk. And that's absolutely yeah. fine. Just log in, see what's happening, and maybe one week they'll choose to, to yes. contribute. And that's yeah, no problem at all. And at that point, yeah, 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 yeah if absolutely. If they enjoy it and get something from it, that's fine. You know. So John, just to yeah. just to round off, tell yeah. us something about you that maybe the listeners wouldn't know. We, I, I asked this question because, as regular listeners will know, we had Pete from Shed on once. Yes. And right at the end, after I stopped interviewing, he told me he was in the Nauties band Pete and the Pirates, which I'd heard of. So, um, yeah, that wow. didn't come out on the podcast yeah, okay. because he I, told I me afterwards. It's that interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, I mean, I think people would be surprised that I was a headmaster for 30 that's years. Quite, yes, that's quite uh, an interesting. Yeah, that's what what yeah. school was that at? Uh, I was in well, two schools. I was at Newbury Hall International School okay. uh, in Newbury. And before that, I was teaching or, or running a school for aviation English in Bristol. Oh, wow. And it was mainly for um, African air traffic controllers and pilots. Oh, fantastic. So, yes, this is a very yes. different world I'm in now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, John, thank you very much for coming in. Thank uh, you. I do appreciate it. And we'll see you on Ding Hour. Yeah, thank you very much. Peter. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. That was John Crocker from Ding Hour. Uh, Ding Hour is, a, as you, as you heard in the interview, a weekly hour on Twitter where Reading Independents get an opportunity to chat and support each other. Uh, it's worth checking out. It's at Ding Hour on Twitter uh, if you want to go and find out more information about it. Sounds sounds very interesting. Um, has any, have you guys ever been involved in a in an hour? They, they do these quite a lot. No. No. Never yeah. been asked. Tom. Oh, well. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, I suppose it depends what the subject is. I think a lot of them, a lot of the time it's for independent businesses, which um, no, we're we're all uh, service in service to the man, so we're not really part of an independent scene, I suppose. Not really. I, I, I am actually involved, oh. involved with an independent. Oh, God, yes. Here we go. I'm not sure if it's in Reading, so. No, I'm not sure you've mentioned it before either, so. No. Donning Cobham's finest hardware emporium. B&Q. H&W. H&W, yeah. We don't. Randomly using a Heath and Watkins pen this week. I have no idea where I've got that from. You didn't get it from us. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh, do you think yeah. she's making her own merchandise? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, now it is time for the random question. The random question. Rach, random question time. Have you yep. got the mug? Have you got in uh, call, got calling mug. Reading? Calling Reading. Have you got the I love Reading mug? Reading receiving. I have the mug. Great. I, I read it last week. I think. Yes, I think you did. Houston. Oh, well, I put my reading glasses on and then peer, peer through them <laughs> like old, like like our parents do. Uh, what was your local shop as a kid? Oh. Oh, shall I go with Heath and Watkins? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, g- growing up in um, growing up in Bracknell, as I did in in a little area, little lovely area called Priestwood, my my local shop. There was in in Bracknell, in all of the shopping centre, in sorry, in all of the housing estates, they had these little open squares uh, where you'd go, and there'd, there'd be like between sort of six and nine shops in there. And in in the one I was in, they had they had loads of stuff. You had a butcher's and a and a uh, uh, veg, veg, I was going to say a vegetable thing, a grocer's. That's what I mean. Uh, a grocer's and like a, a just a, yeah. a, a newsagent, that kind of thing, and a laundrette. The laundrette is surprisingly still there. No in actual yeah. um, my favourite one though was there was a there was like a just a convenience store called My Mum's Shop, which I I could never quite get my head my around. Mum's a, it was called My, and they did they did brilliant sliced ham, and they sliced the ham in front of you. It was great. So that's my filler bit. While you two think. I am just on the subject of uh, the shops in Bracknell, um, Bracknell Estates, which I know very well from my time covering Bracknell. There's, there's um, uh, all the things you'd expect. Yeah, some of them have butchers in and things like that, which is great. But one of them, um, I think, was in the Wild Riding Shopping Precinct in Bracknell. I'm not sure if it's still there or not, but it had a, for reasons I never quite understood, a snowboarding shop. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, we do have a ski yeah, slope sure and an ice rink. Nobody sees around, right? But it, I suppose you've got the ski slope. <laughs> well, you've got the ski slope. Yeah. 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 You can have it anywhere, Hugh. That's where you go. That's just true, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what, I what, it was like a, a nationally renowned ski ski shop, which everyone loved to, but uh, I always thought it was a bit odd. You know, certainly Bratnell's Bratnell ski slope fe- featured in movies like Eddie the Eagle. So, there we go, you know. True. Yeah. Did you That's a really good film. <gasps> Does that mean that Hugh Jackman was in Bratnell? Yes, it does. And there's pictures oh. of him on Get Reading in Bracknell. If anybody wants to go and Google that, that's fine. What have you got for us, guys? I am totally going to Google that when I go back upstairs. <laughs> no, Hugh Jackman wasn't and, in that um, part of the film, though. Hugh Jackman wasn't. Was he not? It was uh, um, the, the other lad, um, Edgerton, Taron. He, yeah. he was in that film, along with um, Tim. Um, Andrew, you know the guy. I, I really uh, don't. McKinnery, <laughs> Tim McKinnery. Oh, yes, yeah, I know the name, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to think of my shop now. So I grew up in Tommy Common where Hugh now lives. So the shop next door to yours was the paper shop. That's what it was <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. It's a yeah. lawn, like a dry cleaners or something now. It's ironing. Ironing. Most one of those middle it class things to have. The paper shop uh, where you would go to get your penny sweets when you'd get 20p and you'd get a whole bag of stuff for that. Uh, and then there was the butchers. The post office was really good. That's where Londis is now. And the wool shop. Everything was just <laughs> called what it was. <laughs> yeah, we, yes. In Priestwood, we used to have a wool store. Oh, yeah, there was a video shop. Video shop. Yeah, yeah, like Blockbuster on a budget, it was. <laughs> the wool shop was good. Uh, yeah, and there was the butchers. And the chemist, which is still there, but it had... You know, in, in, in the olden days, when all chemists had that massive blue bot- glass bottle in the window. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Mm, slightly no. older than oh. both of us, Rach. Yeah, like a huge, like a vase full of blue liquid, which I, I had no idea what that was. <laughs> You're looking very confused, Hugh. I'm going to Google that as well as yeah. Hugh Jackman. So, I grew up in Burfield Common. And my mind immediately goes to where, where, where teenagers who weren't old enough to buy alcohol were able to buy alcohol. And we're going back to the 1990s here. I'm, I'm sure the proprietors of these places have changed. And I'm fairly sure that a lot of them don't exist anymore. Before you get anyone into trouble, you yeah. 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 But um, there's a news agent in, uh, in Bethel College, who's definitely not anymore, I think it's a state agent now. Um, where they had very liberal attitudes towards towards selling alcohol for teenagers in it. The rule was, as long as no one else was in the shop, <laughs> you were right. So you could always get your, your full cans of Foster's. Um, Bottle of white for, lightning. Yeah, or your so cheap cider for your... <laughs> Mad Dog 2020. For your, your quote-unquote night out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, in the village. Or down the community um, centre. We used to have... They used to be a bank... In Burfield, Nat West, which is oh, always great to say. Oh, we in Sonic Common, yeah, now flats. Yeah. You needed that to go and collect your piggy banks. <laughs> yeah. What else was in Burfield? Yeah, we had a Circle C. Anyone remember what Circle C was? No idea. No. Um, it was a chain. It was like a supermarket chain. Okay. Um, I can't remember anything about it. It, it did videos and... Um, Food and or booze and all that sort of stuff. Couldn't get your booze there, though. They had, they had like, proper rules and stuff. So they used to, they used to keep two. God. Um, and yeah, that was in the little precinct. Then we had there was a butcher there where which you could go and get pork scratchings from. Oh, proper. Like bags of pork scratchings. And you could, you know, give, basically, they you say, "Can I have ten peas worth?" And they just throw a handful of pork scratchings in a bag, oh, and you'd be able to scoff those on the way home. Um, <laughs> Which was good. Um, and, yeah, we had, you know, all the independent um, news agents as well. Only two school children in allowed at a time. <laughs> Apparently, people used to mix things. <laughs> I don't. In, even in Burfield? Blimey. I know, yeah. Oh, shocking. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's it. And then, of course, the SO garage, which is the centre of Burfield. <laughs> where, <laughs> where life in... in Burfield revolves around the SO. <laughs> Did you collect tiger tokens? 
I remember collecting, Tom, you might remember this, the 1990 World Cup. Yeah. The SO coins. They oh, had a yes, little yes, holder. Yes. Tony Adams, Neil Webb, Steve <laughs> McMahon, Gary Lineker, uh, Terry Butcher, Peter Shilton, is all age 40, couldn't jump. <laughs> um, and I collected, they had England and they had Scotland, and I collect. I think I collected all of them as well. Um Scotland had a player called Murdo McLeod. I remember my Scottish name. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the most Scottish name ever. Oh, be um, careful, I'm in Scotland. They, Don't say it too loudly. They lost to uh, Costa Rica. In oh, yes, Cup. they did. They did. But yeah, sorry, that was going off on a massive tangent. <laughs> going back, that's basically all the shops in Berkeley in the 1990s. Well, thank you for listing them for us. And hopefully they'll bring back a few memories. Um, if you would like to tell us what the shops where when you grew up here's jeremy with how you can if you enjoy our prattlings about reading and if you've come this far we assume you must be please hit subscribe on your podcast app to get the latest episode every monday morning you can find us on twitter at real reading pod and search facebook and instagram for real reading podcast you can also email get reading at reachplc.com that was the most tenuous link i've ever done <laughs> the trouble when you do them off the hoof. Um, We've flooded with people listing those same shops. Yes. <laughs> oh yes, there was a butcher's as well, and a grocer's, and a vegetable <laughs> person. No, no, I've, I've listed them all. There, are, there weren't any more other than what I've listed. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you know anyone who thinks we finish up, Tom. Yes. All oh, go on. I, well, I've done two very wedding things this week that oh. I think. I don't know what to tell you about. Go on, quick. Uh, especially since we had Pete Wheeler in last week. Yes. I went to Ready Pop on Friday. Oh, how was it? It was amazing. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because we know Pete either. <laughs> but um, I took my son down there on the Friday for yes. an hour or two. Oh, and then God. we left at 11. Oh, <laughs> no. He was so tired. Was he grizzly? Just carrying. We did have to carry him the whole way home. But he loved Cassette Boy, which yeah. maybe uh, wasn't the most appropriate, but because the guys were dressed as monkeys, he thought that was hilarious. Okay. Uh, and then we made it through about half of the brand new heavies. Yeah. Set, which was good. Uh, but yeah, it was it was awesome, and we will definitely be fantastic tickets for next year. Yeah. And the other thing that I did last night. I had a Sweeney Todd's pie. Oh, mate. Oh, it was so good. Oh, you, do you know what? I just I can't wait to get home now. I just want a Sweeney You're just going to go and get one on the yeah, way home. Just yeah, just have a, nice, a proper pie. I've heard that they're, I hope Pat's business can be a bit better for Sweeney Todd's. And certainly, as far as I'm aware, it's been up for sale for quite a while. Yes. Um, quite rightly, the owners aren't going to sell it to anyone who, who's doing anything other than running it as a traditional pie shop, um, which is perhaps why... And it's in a, a it's in a very difficult um, listed building there as yeah. well, with, uh, as are the other shops there, which means which is very limited in what you can do. But um, I I love it there. Um, I think it's great. It's a great thing to have, and everyone should support the dots. Definitely, it's really good. Um, can I just quickly mention something as well? Tom? Yes, you can. Have, have you checked whether Rachel's good. finished? Rachel, had you, you finished? I'm done. Those were my two things. Go and get a pie five, and go to next year. Five stars for Rachie's Reading weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah, mine is Reading Fringe Festival. I've uh, I've done a piece detailing some of the highlights 
yes. um, with the help of the organisers. And I can't remember when this is, but it, it'll be in the story and it's on the Reading Green <laughs> website. They've got the world's best shadow puppet man. Oh, who wow. does apparently was an amazing shadow puppet show. <laughs> and I, out of everything, I thought that was the most interesting sounding thing. But there's, there's really cool things happening, like they're talking to some of the refugees who set up life in Reading. Yep. And um, there is a musical Max comedy set as well, man singing okay. how much they love Max. And lots of other things. Um, which all sounded really, really interesting. And it's going on, it's, it's, I think it's 10 days, the festival, and there's loads going on. All detailed on the website, all in my old school on the Get Reading. On the Get um, Reading, which lovely. Appearing soon, and I think that um, everyone should go to, to as many of these events as they can, because they all sound, all of the ones I wrote about, I think there's 19 or 20. Wow. They all sounded like really interesting. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it to any of them. I was going to ask that question. How many are you going to? <laughs> I, my, my sister's going to visit my uh, nephew and niece this weekend. So ah. I'm very, my, my time is very limited. But certainly, if I was around, I'd consider going to some of Excellent. Thank you, Hugh. Right. Thank you, Hugh. Okay. Um, if you know anyone who you think would be great to interview for the podcast, please do let us know. The only prerequisite is that they must live or work in the town. And most importantly, they must love Reading. Um, that's all for now. We'll speak to you again next week. Bye. Bye. Podcast is definitely better without you. <laughs> Thanks. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. We apparently live in a society where people who go to festivals need to be told that putting their sleeping bags down the toilet is not a, not a very good idea. Watch that program, uh, Hunted on Channel yes. 4. Yes, that Did was you brilliant. You see the yes. one where the guy came out of the station yeah. and chased him all through Reading, yeah. all along the canal, and eventually caught him at the funny Yes, that was brilliant.